0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your job's more visibility at indeed.com/match. Just go to indeed.com/match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. indeed.com/match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs>
1: probably like getting
0: Gray 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day i mean we say it all the time whether you know there's two types of turds you're a sinker or you're a floater but you're still a turd right i mean um, we're we're we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the place
1: welcome to the varsity club podcast my name is Derek peterson i've got my bosses with me this week for the second week in a row brandon vogel is here brandon how are you
0: I'm doing okay. I did a dumb thing before we started this. I had about 10 minutes or 12 minutes before we were scheduled to record. And I was thinking, how can I use this time efficiently? So I decided to mix up some bread because I need to make bread for uh, the Christmas feast, which is fine. Like, you know, it came out like it always comes out. It was good. But then I realized about halfway through it, I started a ticking clock that is going to serve as our official clock for this podcast because. Once this dough reaches double its size, we got to be done because I got to need it at that point. If I don't, it'll get <laughs> flabby. To let you know that I'm serious about this, I brought it into my office to monitor its progress. So just letting you know, that is the, uh,
1: the ticking time bomb for this, this show. Remarkable. Amazing. Also joining us, I don't think she has a ticking bread time bomb. uh, Aaron Sorensen, hello, how are you? Hi,
2: I'm good. But I will say, I don't. I'm not making bread. But Brandon, weirdly enough, I somehow got down. I somehow fell down the bread making algorithm i got sucked into it on tiktok last night and there's a lot of really really interesting ways to make bread i don't know how i got there i certainly didn't leave very quickly but there were a lot of people doing some pretty cool things with sourdough
0: yeah i i got into that pre-pandemic and then we moved so i like threw out the sourdough sourdough culture that i had been nurturing for a couple of months and I just haven't brought it back, which doesn't make much sense. But you know, they zig, I zag. Everybody was doing sour sourdough back in a uh, back in May, so I couldn't I couldn't hop on the trend.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say we've like jumped into a time machine and gone back to like early early lockdown pandemic months.
2: You know how you know it's been like the longest year ever is when people with their year in review on things like TikTok are just playing songs that were very popular in like April, May. And everyone is nostalgic for that.
1: (laughs) My favorite thing is right now there's like, people are nostalgic for like um, early pandemic aesthetic. That's like an actual thing on social media or Mm -hmm. early lockdown aesthetic. And it's like fitness classes on YouTube, baking bread Um, and just any of the other random things that we tried to keep ourselves busy with, and now everyone's just like sitting in a dark corner in their room somewhere trying to get through it. We were better Um,
2: versions of ourselves for like two weeks this year. It it was like what happens. I would say that early part of lockdown was what happens at the first part of the year, which we're about to get to for anyone listening to this podcast. It's when you have all of these hopes and dreams of the things that you want to accomplish. So you're gonna set out to do all of these things for yourselves and then after two weeks you're like yeah I'm good I'm gonna I'm gonna hard pass out of this stuff that's what I feel like people are nostalgic for those two weeks where we were the best of ourselves and then we went back to just being terrible my only
0: my only remaining dream for 2020 is to because I didn't do this back in the spring when everybody else was but weather's supposed to turn a little bit so I have no plans to go anywhere is to turn a pillow into couture
2: oh Mm. oh, I know what you're talking about oh my god please do (laughs)
1: I had a gym routine going in like the summer months. I was going twice a day. I had a sleep schedule that was a decent, normal human being sleep schedule. That has since fallen by the wayside. Um, when January starts, Alex and I are going vegan, which is something that we're like slowly easing into lately. Like I had plant-based burger burgers for the first time this week. They were inexperienced, so we'll see how that goes. Um, Lots of damage to undo over these last couple of months.
2: Because you know what happened. No matter how weird this year got, football started. Yeah. I mean, there's just nothing you can do about it. Football wrecks all of us, even in the weirdest of years.
1: Brandon, we talked in November around Thanksgiving time about your turkey takes. I'm curious, do you have any like traditional Christmas meal? You saw, you talked about a Christmas feast. Do you, is there a traditional meal that you make every year or does it kind of just alternate? My family does meatloaf every year, meatloaf and potatoes. Is there something specific that is in the Vogel household that has to be there every single year?
0: Yeah. Against Christina, my wife's perhaps preference, uh, My family, like Christmas Eve was always kind of the big, the big meal because we'd usually like where I grew up, my grandparents were both really close. So we'd end up at one of my grandparents' house and it would be like their problem to deal with on Christmas day. But on Christmas Eve, my mom would always make prime rib. So, um, I have begun doing that over the last like four or five years, um, Christina doesn't love prime rib. She'll eat it. She basically allows me to do it because for some reason it's, it's important to me. So that's what I'm doing. That's been sitting in my fridge aging for uh, about a week now. Um, After this is over, I will probably go season it. So it has, you know, 24 hours to take on whatever flavor it's going to take on, but you don't want to do too, do too, 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 too much to uh, a, a standing rib roast because those, those are pretty expensive. So, but there's a, there's a grocery store. Really what brought it back into my life is there's a grocery store here that always runs a great deal on standing rib roasts. Um, so I was like, okay, well it's time for me to revive that
1: tradition. I think we do Christmas at Brandon's house next year. Whenever mm-hmm. anybody can travel.
2: Well, so that sounds good. I will say I will give credit to Kyle, my fiance's dad really quick. This isn't happening this year, which is sort of a, a bummer but he he's a he's a really good cook and he he's that person that complains about how much work it takes to put together a big meal whether that's at thanksgiving or christmas or whatever but he loves to do it it's just something that like ultimately will never stop because he loves it and christmas eve or christmas day it's typically christmas day like an an evening meal um He does the prime rib crab legs. um, I mean, every kind of side you can imagine. And it's, it's one of those things where there are not enough people for the amount of food that is made, but it's just like, well, I need to also do this thing too. And this is on top of, he usually has stuff all day long. So like breakfast casseroles, um, sandwiches, everything to lead up to the moment that you're going to get more food than you could ever humanly consume, like possibly consume. Um, but I'm sad that we won't have that this year. And I'm sure he's sad that he's not making it. So, um, at some point we can do the Brandon Kyle's dad extravaganza and like everybody under the sun can come eat.
1: (laughs) I'm weird in that I will go an entire day without eating. And then Alex will ask me about it at the, at at like nine o'clock at night and be like, did you have an actual meal today? And and I'll, I'll think about it and be like, no, I actually didn't. So Christmas day for me is more about watching NBA basketball than it is about food so sorry um in case you guys being the people that are listening to this podcast uh haven't noticed we are talking about christmas as if it is a thing to come and not a thing that is either here or has passed we're recording this on a wednesday you are listening to this if it's on friday when this podcast gets posted merry christmas happy holidays if you are able to be spending it with your family i hope you're able to get back safely i hope everyone's doing well uh, if you are not with your family this year, I hope the family is good. I hope you are safe. I hope you are still having a good Christmas, a good holiday season, and, and next year we'll be able to return to some, some normalcy and you'll be able to see some family. If you're listening to this on Saturday, let me know what Christmas gifts you got. Those are the big things. So happy holidays to everybody. Thank you for your support all year long. We wrapped uh, This past week we wrapped another Nebraska football season. Thank you. I just want to give a quick thank you to everybody. The RetailVarsity.com that subscribes to Hale Varsity, that gets the magazine, that follows our stuff, that subscribes to Brandon's podcast, Aaron's podcast, all the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network. Um, Thank you to all of you guys for your support for another year. It was a weird year, but we made it through. Guys, we are going to talk about the college football playoff here in a little bit. Uh, But before we get to that, I want to ask both of you, Brandon and Aaron, Lasting memory from this weird Nebraska football season. It ended with a 28-21 win in New Jersey over Rutgers. It's kind of a meaningless game, depending on how you view those sorts of things. Um, Last Friday is when it ended. So we've had, oh, a few days to kind of reflect on the season. Um, Aaron, you go first. Do you have a lasting memory or something that's going to stick out in your brain when you think about, the 2020 version of the Nebraska football Cornhuskers.
2: There are a lot of things, and I've since you told us you were going to ask this, we didn't. I, I've been thinking kind of what I would like to remember from this season, and there are a lot of ways I can go go through this from how it came to be, um, how it ended, everything in between. But the one I, I'm going to say I, I hope will be a lasting impression on the season is Colin Miller. And I'm not talking about his injury itself. And I know we talked about this previously on the varsity club podcast. So I won't, I won't deep dive too much into it, but I have thought a lot about his response after when he came to the podium and we kind of were thinking, is this a, I'm going to return or this is the end. I, I, I I think that moment will always be, ingrained in my brain to a degree. And I'd like to remember this season positively for Colin Miller. And I hope it's a springboard for whatever is next in his life. And uh, hopefully we get to be privy to watching that uh, unfold. And I will just say one last thing about him. He managed uh, to make it home for the holidays. He's in Indiana and he shared a photo of himself outside of his house just like spinning around. And I don't know how to explain the look on his face. He shared this on Instagram stories, but he looked at peace and obviously I'm projecting, but it felt like after this year, just to see some comfort and peace on someone's face, especially after they've gone through so much, he would be, I think how I would like to remember this season is a lot of bad things happened but sometimes really good things come from really bad things. And I think a lot of good is to come for Colin Miller. So that is how I would like to remember the season is sort of through the lens of Colin.
1: Brandon, where are you at? Well, I'm
0: glad that Aaron took that approach uh, as opposed to me, who tends to view the individuals who play this game as just the, the labor that produces the numbers that I like to consider. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> for, for me, 2020 goes down as a year where whatever your list was of Nebraska's weaknesses as a football program, you, you took that list and increased the font size to 20 and put it in bold. I, I think that's what it was. And it, I, I don't know that it changed that list drastically, like a lot of what we thought was – Plaguing the program, or at least not plaguing, might be too strong. Preventing it from the win total it hopes to have one day, uh, all got exaggerated or just brought into clearer focus. Uh, You know, in the December issue of of the magazine, I kind of made my case for: Hey, if if you buy into kind of the company line of we're making progress here, here are some reasons to think that. I personally think that though it's always kind of going back and forth between yeah I can see what you're saying but also it's clearly not here yet so this year this year brought all of that to the forefront you know I we were chatting about it in slack a little bit like sp plus power ranking that I probably look at most often ended up <laughs> with Nebraska is, with a rating of 7.9 so that's basically eight points better than the average team despite the record which was exactly the same as Northwestern, which looked like it was going to beat Ohio state in the big 10 championship. Now I'm not saying that that's like what it is, that that's gospel. It's just one power ranking. But, but this year, when I think back on it was the year where you you lost a little faith, I think among the Husker faithful, but there's still, and, and the problems are glaring and there's no easy fix for them. But I do still think Nebraska is trending upward a little bit, uh, though I might be one of the few
1: who are in that camp. Nebraska's other – or ESPN's other formula-based metric, FPI, has Nebraska 45th with the 15th toughest schedule in the country
2: this past season.
1: So if you're, if you're looking for reasons to agree with Brandon, like you don't have to dig too deep into the numbers, it seems. So – yeah, it's,
0: it's – uh, most people, you know, it's like you got to win games, and I get that. And eventually that time is coming. That time might be 2021 for, for all we know. Um, but, yeah, it, it was another year where you had to definitely read between the lines for Nebraska, which is disappointing. But once you know it's that,
1: uh, you know, might as well get busy reading, I guess. I think that's kind of going to be my main takeaway as well. What you just said that, you know, the wins matter. And at some point they're going to have to matter. And I think that at some point is now here as we enter into year four, just looking at the schedule that they have um, for 2021, looking at, you know, some of the the stuff that they're potentially going to lose on the defensive side of the ball. It's now going to be like, all right, this team is going to be frosts. This team is going to be frost guys that have been here for a hot minute. What does this team look like? Uh, because culture talk is great. Um, it's important. Who I, It was somebody that said culture is worth like two points. And I can't remember who it was. It was a football coach that said culture is worth two points in a game. And that's about it. You have to go earn everything else. Okay, so, and, then, and then did they talk about talent? <laughs>
0: Because I mean, that's like, sorry to interrupt you, but that's like the, I I saw a a tweet the other day. Um, It might've been from football scoop, but I don't remember what coach it was. It was a high school coach, but it was like an interview with him. They're like, you know, how do you have consistent success? And he was like, have good players, which yeah, that's true. Um, Like, I don't know. I'm not a football coach, so I probably should shut up, but I would put culture at having more value than that. Like, how do you explain teams like Wisconsin iowa to a degree northwestern, northwestern. um with just a two-point advantage but that's that's my gut reaction
1: well northwestern's in 85 billion uh three-point games every single season so two points are a lot
0: that's true <laughs> northwestern is <laughs> maybe the argument for that and we're like <laughs> yeah when you every game comes down to to four points two points is uh is pretty significant
1: one thing that and this was a story that got posted on hill on Wednesday um, that, that is really going to stick with me is that Wanda Robinson has, I believe the number was 225 career touches in two seasons at Nebraska. And he's only got seven touchdowns. Um, we see the talent being the people that look at this team every single day. It's time for that talent to start producing on Saturdays. Um, that's kind of, that, that's kind of where I'm at. And it's time for that talent to start being utilized properly, uh, in, in certain instances. So, um, that's enough Nebraska. We'll have all off season to kind of dissect Nebraska and, and get into it a little bit. The, the most interesting thing that happened this week was the college football playoff announced it's 14 playoff for 2020. You're going to have Alabama. You're going to have Ohio state. You're going to have Clemson. Those three teams have been in the playoff. How many years now in a row? Like, how many how many years have we had a playoff now? Five or six years? I think those three teams. This is the seventh one, I think. Alabama's one. missed one. Is that I right? Think the number was those three teams have combined for sixteen of the twenty-eight um, appearances in the college football playoff. Alabama has six. Clemson has six. Ohio State has four. Oklahoma has four. Notre Dame has two. So in the seven-year existence of the playoff, 11 total schools have made it. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then Notre Dame is your fourth this year. We can kind of quibble about whether Clemson should have been two, whether it should have been three, um, quibble about Notre Dame. But I think kind of the the overarching feel from a lot of people and Bill Conley wrote this actually in his piece um, kind of reacting was that the, the four that were included in this year's playoff were acceptable. They were an acceptable four teams and really over the lifespan of the college football playoff, it hasn't inserted an egregious team into the playoff, right? Like if you think back, there hasn't been a year where you've looked at the four teams that got selected and thought, there is a huge mistake in one of these teams that's being included, right? If you look at this year and, and everybody likes to talk about semifinals, not being competitive. I mean, first round of the NFL playoffs isn't competitive regularly. First round of the NBA playoffs isn't competitive regularly. Alabama's the best team in the country. If you put the fourth best team in the country against the best team in the country in a buzzsaw that's Alabama and give them a couple weeks to prepare, like it's probably not going to be a competitive game. Um, if you'd put, Texas A&M, as the number four team in the playoff, probably wouldn't have been a competitive game. We've seen that already. They lost by twenty-eight to Alabama this year. If you put Notre Dame in the the four bucket and put them against Alabama, it's probably not going to be a competitive game. Um, there are a lot of different ways that we can go with this discussion. Let's just start with. Let's start with the big one. Did this year? The way that everything happened with the college football playoff push us closer to or further away from an expanded playoff field. Brandon, we'll start with you. I
0: think closer, um, though. Do you I don't want think that? I do, and we can okay. get into that. Um, well, we can discuss that a little bit down the road. Uh, I, I. I I've been surprised at the vitriol around this year's playoff discussion. In fact, like it makes me kind of realize that because, like you said, like every kind of inclusion so far has been "quote unquote" acceptable. Yeah, there's there's a couple times where you could argue, like between four, five, six, most often. I mean, this year was even starker than most years in the past, and that Alabama and Clemson are a clear one-two and then Ohio State and maybe this is a function mostly of them only playing you know six games like i think there's a pretty big gap between those two and Ohio State like you know i, I don't have the numbers in front of me but what would the what would the Alabama Ohio State line be like this is a good Ohio State team but it's not what it was last year um, and even some years prior to that so Like to the point where at at points this week, I was wondering, I was like, did the athletics send around an internal memo saying like we're going hard on the playoff committee this year because it's been exceptionally hard. And I I just I, I, I understand it to some degree, like I'm more frustrated at this point with the talk around the the playoff selection than I am the playoff selection itself. Because the process is kind of inherently irrational, but for the playoff committee, we know that that's the task they've been given. Their job is to select the best 25 teams and put them in rankings. And from that, the top four go to the playoff. That's like, I mean, there's, there's some kind of details in there, but not many. And that's really all they are asked to do. So to try to to hope that this makes sense seems like an exercise in folly to me to a degree.
1: Yeah, because I was just thinking about it. Think about an argument against what they did and you'll come up with like, well, they did this and that's what you're arguing for. So like if you talk about, well, it shouldn't just be the four quote unquote best teams that the committee looks at and says, well, these, we thought these were the best teams in the beginning of the season. We ranked these one through four, and then they're just going to remain. And it doesn't factor in playing well at the end of the season. If like, that's kind of your argument or, or building at the end of the season, then can you get mad at Oklahoma ending six because they were quote unquote building and playing really well, but you could also make the argument that it's, it's bad that they kind of pencil in Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame as the four best teams in the beginning of the year, and now here we are at the end of the year. Ohio State only played six games. If you look at Ohio State's resume, I'm not I'm, – I am I. mean, I might be in the minority here, but I don't think Ohio State deserved a college football playoff berth based on what it did this season, based on the, the three words that the playoff committee loves to use, body of work. Their strength of schedule in ESPN's FPI was 70th. Cincinnati's was 81st and Ohio state only played six games.
0: Right. I mean, and, and that's the thing, like you quickly spin into to all of these things and it's just, it it gets so hard. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe the way to, well, you you touched on something that I think is, I don't know if it's a problem. It's just not what I would prefer. Like college football of the past six, seven years has been so homogenous that, it's becoming less fun to follow because, yes, kind of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State get penciled in uh, every year. But, like, you know, there are tons, tons of ways to break this down statistically. But, like, they are so far ahead of everybody else in terms of what they do that it's justified. They just dominate the sport. I mean, Clemson just won its sixth conference title, Oklahoma did as well. Now, Oklahoma gets dinged a little bit because You know, it's viewed as all offense and the defense has its ups and downs. It's playing pretty well of late. Um, But just like that hadn't happened in 30 some years that one team had won six straight conference titles. And here we've got two.
1: The issue is, though, that I think the college football playoff has created this. I think I think that you have. What was it, seven programs? or 11 programs that have only that have appeared in the college football playoff in seven years, only 11, that, that creates this because Clemson historically was not a superpower in recruiting. Was it? No. Like, but kids now see Clemson. Oh, we're going to go to the playoff every year. Like I I was watching the the ACC championship game between Clemson and Notre Dame. And there was a graphic that went on screen about like the Clemson senior class, the fifth year seniors that have played in like three national championships and won a bunch of ACC uh, championships and won a bunch of games and all of this and all that. And one of the comments was, oh, we just update this graphic with new numbers every year for the different senior classes. And, And it was like, that's what they expect. And so recruits continue to go there. And because recruits continue to go there, they continue to get in the college football playoff. And because they continue to get in the college football playoff, guys continue to flock there. And so it you talk about a homogenizing effect. like it, the, I feel like the college football playoff is sort of creating its own monster in a way. This season would have been the perfect opportunity to break that with a team like Cincinnati. If suddenly you start including more teams into that top four, it doesn't matter if Cincinnati beats Alabama – because Notre Dame's not going to beat Alabama, right? Like both of those games probably would have been, I mean, you're in garbage time, late third quarter, or early fourth quarter, probably. But if you include Cincinnati, all of a sudden you have Cincinnati saying we made a playoff. I'd be curious to go and look at what, if Michigan state got a recruiting bump immediately after it's, it's inclusion into the playoff. Was that 2015, 20, whatever that year was. Um, I feel like if you want to try to start spreading around talent across the college football landscape so it's not so centralized at, you know, five or six programs, the best way to do that is to make the 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 ultimate goal, the ultimate carrot at the end of the stick more accessible to those other programs. And I think that's kind of the 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 issue, the, the real problem area that the college football playoff currently finds itself in.
2: Yeah, and it's funny that the college football playoff was supposed to answer all of the issues that the BCS had, and instead it just created an entirely new set of issues. Um, I don't know. I I would say, and this is kind of – and I could be completely wrong. I think most fans would be totally open and good with an expanded playoff if they moved it to eight teams – The problem is, and I just looked it up because I wanted to be sure. So, like we said, we're in year seven of the college football playoff, but this is a 12 year multi million dollar deal. And that deal, it, it basically uh, it promises four college football semifinal games to the Cotton Fiesta, Orange, Peach, Rose, and Sugar Bowls. So there's a lot of money here where people are not exactly, like, wanting to change this because they want the money coming to those bowls. But, like, in a year like this, for instance, when you're looking at uh, the Rose Bowl, not even potentially, like, w- when they're starting to say they're not even going to play there, then what does it even matter anymore? I mean... I've long been a believer that if you're going to go to eight, it's pretty simple. It's your, your five power, five champions, your highest ranks group of five, and then a couple of wild cards. If you did that this year, you could have included, you know, your Cincinnati, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. You, You would have had more of that. It would have created more interesting games I would say the problem with what is happening with the college football playoff, at least in my opinion, is it's just kind of boring. There's just like, you know, who's going to get in. And there's no reason that Alabama and Clemson first and foremost should not be included. When we talk about, did they get it right? The only way they would have gotten it wrong is if they didn't include those two, because those are the two that probably should be there. As for who the other two are, it's kind of a crap shoot depending on what team you like. Um, but it's kind of boring at this point. It's like, you know what to expect every year. There's really, you go through these big, you go through the big facade of the Tuesday unveilings of the rankings. And it's like, for what, for what, because the likelihood of somebody getting into it that is not really in that like core group is pretty limited. Maybe you get the champion of one conference, one power five conference because they had a really good year, but I think at this point, seven years into it, and I understand there's five more on this contract before maybe people are like really considering it, but an eight team playoff at least would give you a little bit more excitement. It would, it would spread the talent pool out a little bit more where people might say like, Hey, it's now possible for me to get into the playoff. If I'm at a group of five, if I'm at this school, I actually might have a chance Right now, it's kind of just, you you know what you're going to get. And so I think that's what makes the question hard of, did they get it right? Is it's not even any more about if it's right or wrong. It's just like, is it even interesting? So good for the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world. It's not saying they don't need to, they, they should stop being good. But it would be nice to have a Cincinnati challenge them. It'd be nice for a Central Florida to be able to challenge them when that was a possibility. But right now... If you're anyone on the outside, or if you're one of the power five teams that had a really good year, but just conveniently is not in that top four, it doesn't matter. You, you don't get a chance and it's, it's unfortunate because we are losing out on potentially really good games, but think of the NCAA basketball tournament. When you have that team who is the last ranked team who manages to beat somebody And everyone is like, it just, it creates like one, your viewership is going to skyrocket with that. I just don't really fully understand the resistance outside of people just not wanting to give up the potential of the money they know they have right now with these bulls. Cause I think most fans at this point would be okay with expansion. I I really do.
1: I was two seconds away from buying a UMBC hat the night they beat Virginia. Uh as a, as a 16, I'm, two seconds I mean, away. how
2: excited were we all when Coastal Carolina early this season was like, I mean, these are the things I'm not saying Coastal well, Carolina. Well, that BYU then, game
1: was legitimately one of the best football games or one of the, the, the most entertaining football games of the
2: season. And you might get some of those if you have an expanded playoff because you'd have teams who would traditionally never play each other now playing each other in an expanded playoff. Now, I understand people think that there's also this can of worms you're going to open where if you're going to go to eight, why don't you go to 12? And what about like how much more? Okay, I just have to say this really quick. A lot of people who have the dissenting opinion of not expanding the playoff are also ironically, so the people who are like, there is an argument that it, it could potentially put more it's going to put more time in a season onto it's going to tack more time onto a season for players and they're going to have to play longer and be in more football shape longer that's great but a lot of those people also are basically the same people who haven't really had an issue with these players playing through whatever happened this year with COVID. Like they pretty much are like, you needed to be in football shape all year long for the opportunity to play football. If they can do that, I think you can tack an extra two or three weeks onto their season. They'll be all right. It just feels like people kind of pick and choose when it's convenient to say these players, you know, should be available or not. And on top of it with the name image likeness, it really won't matter if they're making money let's go. Like, I just, I just don't really see the argument anymore. I think it's just a core group of people who don't want to see the money maybe like spread around more.
1: I think six instead of eight is maybe an underrated option here because um, maybe one of the, the big, I guess, cons for an 18 playoff would be a one versus eight matchup every year um, where the eight is just going to get crucified Maybe if you have six, then you have buys for the first two teams, and then um, you have uh, you have a little bit more entertaining, or at least on paper, a little bit more um, entertaining matchups in, in those those opening games. Um, and you pointed out the uh, <laughs> they couldn't get it wrong. They could have gotten it wrong if they put it in Texas A and um, I and said then, they couldn't
2: have gotten it wrong with the two. I'm saying okay. like the other two is where it's kind of a crapshoot at that. point.
1: And you were also talking about, um, and this is one thing that I think is interesting. And one thing that Brandon's talked about before too, is kind of the, the weekly nonsense that is the college football playoff reveal before it actually matters. Um, this is where, and, and this gets to Brandon's point about just the, discourse around the playoff being somewhat more un- unbearable than the actual playoff selection itself. Um, this is where I think they could solve a lot of their issues. So if you look at this season in particular, they put out a ranking every week. It's kind of dumb to do that, but that's what they do. They have the show. They have a the big ordeal about it. They put out a ranking every week in week. 10 Cincinnati peaked at number six in the ranking. They were five and zero at that point, the following week, they won 38 to 10 against Houston, and dropped from six to seven because Florida jumped them to go to six. They they moved up two spots after beating Georgia 44 to 28. Okay, justifiable. It was a good Georgia team. It was a good Florida win, a really good Florida win. The next week, Cincinnati beats East Carolina 55 to 17. They hold at seven. The next week, they beat UCF 36 to 33. They hold at seven. They're eight and no at this point. They're idle for a week. A game gets canceled and they drop to eight because Iowa State beats West Virginia 42 to six and moves up one spot ahead of Cincinnati. I mean, it was an okay West Virginia team. It was an okay West Virginia team. They were five and four this year, four and four in the Big 12. Okay, I guess. Um, the next week, they're idle again. Another game gets canceled. They drop from eight to nine because georgia beats missouri 49 to 14 so georgia moves up to eight missouri that week moved into the top 25 because of a 50 to 48 win over arkansas in which they scored 27 points in the fourth quarter so like we can argue the merits of missouri being a top 25 team based off of what it had done in the last two weeks and the week before the arkansas win was a win over vanderbilt which is one of the worst power five teams this season so since he doesn't play and it drops ohio state doesn't play and it holds now we're in a situation where you look at the final playoff rankings and cincinnati is below a couple of two lost teams you look at coastal carolina they're below three lost teams if the College Football Playoff Committee had just released the final rankings this season. How many people would be upset with where Cincinnati's at?
0: A lot. Um, more, I you
1: think more so than now?
0: Well, I I don't know because I guess I see both both sides of it, um, and it drives me a little bit crazy of people who are like absolutists of. Who, and, and this is basically what the committee is. And it's the the biggest thing that I take issue with. Like, I don't take issue with a lot of what the committee does because it's kind of an impossible task. It'd be like saying, "Hey, hey, guys, we are a three-person committee. We are the three-person movie committee. And we're going to decide the four best movies of 2020. Like, yeah, we can do that. We can talk it out and come to a consensus. But it would just be like, well, yeah, this is what we think, which is all they're asked to do. The problem is, is like there is no viable path for the G five to get in here. Like it's ridiculous. Cincinnati based on multiple, multiple power rankings would be favored over every team in the big 10, except for Ohio state right now. So tell me, tell me more about how they didn't play anybody and about how they're just not good enough. Like, yes. Okay. Their schedule is easier than what Alabama faced or Clemson faced or, but they also recruit at a drastically lower level. For me, it's it's like I'm looking for teams that are excellent based on where they're at, um, and if you're that, that's reason enough for inclusion for me. So, yet it, it, like if if the if the college football playoff committee, which is still owned by the same group that ran the BCS, I mean it's it's basically the powers that be are just like no, you cannot make it in if you're a Cincinnati, if you're a UCF, if you're a Coastal Carolina. If you're a BYU, like, I have a huge issue with that. Like, that is not college football to me. Um, and that's the one area where I really take issue. Like, a lot of the, the criticisms of the committee kind of just are, are water off my back for the most part. Because I'm like, eh, what are you going to do? It's kind of a dumb task to even have. But that's the one that's a real, real sticking point for me. And as it pertains to expansion, like if that's the only way to get those teams involved, then let's expand tomorrow.
1: Yeah. It's it, it and I've seen this on social media calling it the college football invitational instead of the college football playoff. You go look at the college football playoff website and they have every single league's logo at the top, and they and and, and it's billed as something that is for the FBS, but it's not. It's for the power five. There's no UCF proved this and Cincinnati this year reinforced it. I don't think we need any other examples to definitively say there is no path for them to the college football playoff. There is and, and and like it is an impossible task because you have to be really good. You have to blow out everyone you play, you have to win by 50 points every single game. UCF's margin of victory wasn't enough. But on top of that, you have to years in advance schedule multiple power five teams that are also going to be good. And there's just no realistic way to do that. There's no, there's no way that a team can look seven years down the road and say, we are going to schedule a home and home with this power five team, because in that seventh year, we are going to have a team that is going to be able to contend for the college football playoff. There's no way to foresee that especially now in this day and age with the transfer portal being what it is. There's no realistic path for them to this. So if, if we found out tomorrow that Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina and BYU decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to hold our own four-team playoff, and we're going to claim the national championship. Just take what UCF did and dial it up to another level. If, if they decided to do that tomorrow, you know how many people would cheer that decision, would champion that decision? It'd be great. And it would be the worst case scenario for the playoff.
0: it, it, It would. And that's really the reason to keep doing it. You mentioned they don't have, like nobody has the foresight to schedule games eight, nine, 10 years in advance and be like, oh, this is going to be the schedule that gets us into the playoff as a G5 team a decade from now. But also they don't have the clout to do that. Like the power five teams are the ones that call the shots on how those games happen. And if you develop a rep- reputation as a Boise State, a UCF, a Cincinnati, um, nobody wants to schedule you because there's no upside to it. So you're, it's, it's just impossible. Like Cincinnati was – if Cincinnati had played Nebraska this year, it would have beaten Nebraska, and it wouldn't have helped them. <laughs> you know, assuming Nebraska's season went the way that it did because it would have been like, yeah, they beat Nebraska, but that Nebraska was like sixth
1: in the Big Ten West. So who cares? I have a very interesting question for you guys. I'm going to talk about Ohio State's merits a little bit more. Flip Ohio State and Indiana. Ohio State plays Indiana's record. They get to 6-1. and one. They lose to Indiana in that game. Indiana is 5-0 and oh with a win over Ohio State, but they have not met the Big Ten's requirement of playing six games to get into the Big Ten championship. But Ohio State has. Do we think the Big Ten would have taken the same course of action that it took with Ohio State to include a 5-0 and Indiana team in the playoff? Or in the, excuse me, in the, the Big Ten championship? And do we think that if Indiana was 5-0 and with, I think Ohio State had a 21-point, margin of, of victory average this season. If Indiana has something close to that, would they be hovering around the top four in the top six of the college football playoff rankings every single week, despite games getting postponed and remaining idle and things like that. So how much does brand factor into this? Do we think things would have been different if you'd swapped places between Ohio state and Indiana?
2: Brand I think matters more than sometimes people want to admit. Um, I mean, let's just think about the brand from the Big Ten's perspective. So I know there was a lot of, especially from Nebraska fans, but there was a lot of frustration with the Big Ten around what it was willing to do and not do to keep Ohio State uh, potentially in contention for the Big Ten or for the uh, college football playoffs. Uh, it was originally for the Big Ten championship game. You needed six games when that wasn't going to be a reality. The rules changed for. Ohio state. And if you are in Indiana, maybe that's frustrating to a degree because you feel like, well, we could have had that possibility or really any school in the big 10 that was uh, doing all right in 2020. But the big 10 also knows that the committee isn't exactly looking at Indiana and going, yeah, that's the team. That's it right there. It's just not And. in, it's not to say that it's not possible, but so when I talked about like, if you, and I, I'm, I'm of the, I'm in the like eight team playoff camp. And I, I think the six team is interesting, but like, I'm the reason I like the eight is because, and I guess you could do this with six, but regardless, I do to a degree, like just making it. So you remove a little bit of the human side of it, which welcome back BCS. Um, but no, really when you talk about like, okay, if you went to eight, you have your five power five champions. Now, again, the big 10 still did everything they could to put Ohio state in that position this year to be the winner of the big 10, because they knew that brand was going to go a lot further to get Ohio state into the playoff. I'm not saying it couldn't have gone someone else's way, but I think Ohio state being Ohio state certainly didn't harm them at all. It did not make it harder. It, it definitely, their name was enough in the consideration where I don't think people are exactly shocked. So I think brand is, is a big part of this.
0: I think in this year, if the situation were exactly flipped um, I think the big 10 probably would have and kind of would have had to do the same thing for Indiana because I just like if Indiana has a head-to-head win over Ohio state and it's undefeated that would have been the big Ten's best playoff chance at that point which I think is what it was really about Um, it, it helps that it's Ohio state and it's a team we're used to seeing there um, like, like Aaron said, it, it adds a little bit to it, but I, I don't know. I, I, I could be totally wrong. I just have a hard time seeing the big 10 saying, yeah, sorry, Indiana. Like, cause then it's clear. Well, if they
2: want a head to head, then that's totally different. Like that I'm talking in this situation where things were so strange. And so like, if you're going to put your money on one of the two as the big 10, like if you're going to go out of your way to provide a little bit of an easier path for somebody, you're putting your money on Ohio state, but if Indiana had one head to head, it doesn't matter then because Indiana has it. But I don't think the college football playoff committee at that point is exactly looking at Indiana and going, Ooh, sexy team. Let's put them in. I think they would have potentially looked elsewhere before considering Indiana. That, so I agree with you.
0: Yeah. The question would be like (laughs) how low, I I, I hope it wouldn't be this, but you know, the fact that you have to ask the question kind of tells you where things are at is like, it might be similar to a G five team of like, how low can we justifiably keep this team? Because you go back to 2017, you know, with Scott Frost and UCF, like he made no bones about it. He's like, yeah, I think they purposely kept us low so they didn't have to deal with it. I think it would be a different, a little bit different in a big – in a power conference, particularly the Big Ten, which is, you know, along with the SEC, the two heavyweights here. Um, But who knows? I mean, if if the situation were exactly reversed, Indiana is Ohio State and Ohio State is Indiana, meaning the Hoosiers have that head-to-head win but one less game. Like, if if the Big Ten doesn't allow the Hoosiers in, then it's telling you what, you know, we have to – Some people tend to infer from changing the rule, which is like, oh, it's all about Ohio state. That would be incontrovertible proof that
1: it's all about Ohio state. It's a very interesting. What if that. Like my gut says, I think the big 10 would still change the rule to put in the team that had the head to head win just because it was a division game. That's what my gut says. But my gut also says that the college football playoff would kind of do what you're talking about brandon and that be like instead of okay is this team actually one of the best It'd be okay how low can we justify keeping this team um that being said that's not anything that that i can say definitively because this is a hypothetical and we we don't know um it's just uh this is a system we had a we had a, a tough system before um, I think about 2011 when I was, when uh, Oklahoma State was number two in the country and lost to Iowa State on that field goal that may or may not have gone over the bar. My brother thinks it was over the bar and in, but that's a different story. And, and they lose a shot at the national championship because of that one game late in the season. Maybe they were one of the, the best teams in the country that year. Um, if we had a playoff, they probably would have been in and had a shot to go play for a national championship, but we didn't. Now we have a playoff and teams like that don't rise the same way they used to. Um, so I do, it's interesting. Maybe
2: I do want to add one thing though, to what you just said about it. If you want to talk about when the playoff could have been really interesting and when we talk about brand and where the brand value is this, this conversation with brand value has been a part of the conversation for a long time. It, it was, it existed in the BCS era as well, because I think about that 2001 Nebraska team that it, the argument was they should not have gone to that 2002 Rose Bowl um, to face Miami. There was some brand power there as well because of who Nebraska was at the time. Now, the BCS f- functioned differently, but like I'm just saying, like things, th- this brand conversation has always been there. When a team is good, people are interested in seeing that team at the highest of levels. And so to be fair, it's a different type. It's a different way that the problem exists, but like, this is something that has, at least I can say has been asked for a long time is the power of the brand of that football team at the time. And Nebraska has been on the side of that brand. Now they're on the opposite side (laughs) where they feel like everyone is against them with their brand. But I would have been curious if you could have taken the playoff system and put it with that 2002 or like the, the bowl games were in 2002, I guess, but like the 2001 teams I'd be curious what that would have looked like, what the committee would have decided then with that group, it would have been hindsight's always 2020, but I would have been interested to see what would have been selected.
1: I say we just blow up the whole system and Start a new system? Yes, but not just like the system by which we select teams for a playoff. I'm talking the whole system. Do you guys remember the thing that I wrote in June of 2019? Restructuring college football?
2: Oh, I don't remember. I do remember it. Four
1: super conferences, 16 teams in each, that would form the the four high majors. Then you have the four mid-major conferences. So... The four champions from the high majors would get an automatic bid to an 18 playoff. The team with the best record from the other four would get an automatic bid. And then a rotating committee an annual rotating committee of 10 coaches would select the three at large teams to fill out the rest of the playoff. But the other addition would be a system of promotion and relegation within the four major leagues and the four mid-major leagues. So it was like the the Kansas question. And the, the thing that I posed in that story was, is Kansas better than Boise State? No, but Kansas plays in, at least in football, Kansas plays in a vastly superior conference than Boise State does. And so for Boise State to get to a college football playoff, it would have to do so much more than Kansas would have to do. All Kansas has to do is win a Big 12 championship and go undefeated with less miles and boom, you're in the playoffs. We've seen that is not the path a G five team can take. So blow the whole thing up. That's no. on I, I, I've, I've
0: got some proposals for you guys if you want okay. to enter, entertain them quickly. Uh, do you want a? Well, first of all, like eighteen playoffs would be a, an eighteen playoff would be an improvement but the thing I don't like about that
2: 18 for a second. I was like, wow, we're going in. Okay. No, I haven't haven't got, hold on. (laughs) How
1: much time do we have left on your bread time bomb? Are we good? It's a little bit chilly,
0: so um, it's not rising as quickly. So we're, we're good for a bit. Um, But thank you for asking. It's very important. I Um, care about the bread, (laughs) the bread bomb. the Uh, The problem I have with eight, which is the most natural, and it's like if this expands is where it will go, is it's like they always say, well, then you can get one group of five teams. Like why are we we stopping at one? Like we just saw in this year Cincinnati, BYU, and Coastal Carolina, particularly the first two, all have legitimate claims as top ten teams in my mind. Like they are playing well and at a very, very high level on both sides of the ball, both of them. So like saying – like going to eight, And just getting every Power Five team in plus one G5 team in. So that leaves you two at larges, so to speak, is like the major corporation that polluted a river for 30 years and got slapped by the EPA, then like building a park on the riverbank for the G5. Be like, here you go. You guys can have this. Like, we built a park for you. You like that? Like, why can only one g5 team get in and i guess like technically two others could at large but we've seen that they're not going to so your options are would you like a 12 team playoff a 16 team playoff or a 20 team playoff
1: i have plans for all three i want more the more the better i want more if we can take away maybe a regular season game or two i want more Yeah. I mean, so I feel like
2: 20 is too much. So I feel like I'm kind of at 16 and I'm not 16 is the sweet spot. I feel like six, I would take 16, 20 feels still a little, like aggressive for me today, but I could be convinced otherwise.
0: (laughs) Well, so here's why 20 was in play for me, because the central question here is like, everyone complains about the playoff constantly. Like how much do we actually want change? Because the choice is between clarity and tradition. So if you really love the Rose Bowl or bowls in general, but really like, you know, I've never met somebody who's like, you know what my favorite bowl is? The Sugar Bowl. Not that it's not a good bowl, but it's like the Rose Bowl's up here, you know, and it's cool. And I love that game. And I love when the or the sun sets over the mountains, all great, cool, awesome. But like, who else has an attachment to any other bowl like that? That's the one. Um, 20 teams. So ultimate clarity. All ten conferences, their champion gets in, and then you've got. You know what's cool? The Champions League is cool. Derek knows this. How does the Champions League do things? So the Champions League is a competition for all clubs for all of the member associations in Europe. So consider England a conference, the Premier League. They have it's a cool point until system you have to
1: play Liverpool in the finals. <laughs> right, then it's not um, so fun.
0: So, but, but the point is, is like, you have, so you have basically power leagues and you have, so Germany gets four bids to the UEFA champions league, the German Bundesliga does the Austrian Bundesliga gets what one and like another team can play into it maybe. Um, so I'm fine with like divvying those up based on like recent past. You could go back five years. You could go back 10 years. Um, but you could get to 20 pretty easily. You take every conference champion. So it provides ultimate clarity, like win your conference, you're in. Uh, And then you've got some room to work with that. If you want to start divvying them up, and I think like the sweet spot for me is 16. um, Because then you could do like the top two leagues over the past five, 10 years, all get three bids. So for right now, that's probably, well, it's definitely the SEC um, and either the Big Ten or the ACC, whichever one had performed better. So that's six bids next three ACC big T- big 12 maybe the AC-, A- AC or the Pac-12 who knows uh would all get two bids so that gets you to 12 then you've got the remaining the last level the remaining three conferences they all get one bid so you got to win the conference championship to get in and then the lowest two leagues they split it so <laughs> they've only got one bid because we've only got one left and the winner between say the Mac and the Sun Belt gets it. What you're getting then is not like a, well, I mean, I would love it because it'd be more football, but what you're getting is clarity. Everybody knows exactly what they need to do to basically get it, but and we won't do that because of the bowls.
2: Yeah. And that's what I was talking about with the fact that like, to make the playoff even happen, there had to be an agreement with the bowls to like have this function in a way where they can still make money. I mean, the fact that this, this multi-billion dollar TV deal guarantees, like I said, it's a guarantee that they get four college football playoff semifinal games between the cotton Fiesta, orange, peach, rose, and sugar bowls. Like those, those bowls are not going to um, go. Yeah, this sounds great. We'd love to give up the potential of more money so that people can have clarity about the score. Why, Why not though? Why not
1: though? Like, why can't the college, why can't college football just be like James Harden and say, I don't care about the contract anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do
0: because it's it's not even more money. It's any money. Like, I mean, I guess the Rose bowl could still hold an exhibition college game, but for, in terms of like being able to choose from the best teams in the country, like it's out, it's gone.
1: Like you're dead. You you cease to exist. That was an NBA joke. I should have, uh, should have tailored more to the the audience if greg if greg was here he would have appreciated it but like I, I get what you're saying aaron contracts in business ruin everything that's why we can't play with juventus and FIFA anymore they suck
2: i mean it stinks because like brandon i agree with you and this is like as somebody who has been to the rose bowl and like i i do love the tradition of it you think of all of the things that go along with the rose bowl that it's not just the rose bowl it's the rose parade like there's so many there's so much around these bowls that make them. And I've, we've been, I was at the peach bowl with you. Um, there's so much, uh, pump and circumstance, like circumstance, circumstances. Um, there's just so much like extra to these bowls. Like I think about to the bowls I've been to for Nebraska. So the music city bowl, the like media gift was a paperweight. Uh, the, the media gifts at the Peach Bowl were basically like an open bar, constant meals, a jacket. Um, I mean, like, it's just on a different level. They're just, it's totally different. The money that is coming in from those, those New Year's Six games, those specific bowls are huge. But then, like, yeah, there is the tradition level of it where I would be sad to see them go, but I don't know if I care sometimes.
1: We got well, a neckrest, a backpack, and a... Quarters at Pullover from the Sugar Bowl, so I I, I can oh. confirm that I good bowls this. give you cool stuff. Yeah,
0: but but did either the sugar or the peach bowl have a wing eating contest?
2: That was not. true. <laughs> true. I mean, there's nothing I love being very close to a stage of offense. The absolute backup offensive in the offense and defensive linemen eating as many chicken wings and chugging milk and feeling like you're going to be vomited on at any moment. That is a gift that I will never be able to give back. So that was, that, that
0: was the real gift from that bowl game.
1: <laughs> we got an open bar and a balcony on bourbon street on new year's Eve and at Jason Derulo concert though. So it was pretty good.
0: <laughs> well, and see, and, and, that, and that's the thing, you know, and that's <laughs> the media perspective of it, but the fan perspective of, of it is like, are you willing to give all of that up for something that makes sense? Because, for as much as people complain about, oh, the committee got it wrong, why is, you know, how can Louisiana be ranked behind Iowa State when it beat Iowa State head to head? And to which my answer is because, like, Louisiana is very good, but Iowa State's pretty clearly better. And they're asked to rank the teams in order from best to not worst. But how can you say they're better, 20. though,
1: if, if Louisiana won? Because they played head to head and they won
0: because one game results are random all the time. Like, okay, if we're going to take that, rank the following big 10 teams. for. So
1: me. then stop playing a national championship game.
0: You could. Um, I mean, that's basically what college football was pre BCS.
1: Are you advocating but- that we go back to 1997? Nebraska playing okay. the national title? Nebraska I, Nebraska I, is <laughs>
0: I would be okay either way, honestly, because I just love college football games and I love random college football games on Tuesday. As much as I love the national championship game, I have no expectation for them to be better. I have no expectation for them to make more sense. Um, You know, I was going to ask you guys like how you feel about, okay, the the losses have to matter point of view, which I think on its face is something we can all agree on, except for when you're charged with choosing the best teams. So Let's say, okay, rank, rank the Big Ten teams under the losses have to matter argument of Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska, who else? Illinois. Like, I mean, it, it becomes untenable very, very quickly. Like, okay, Florida, Texas A&M, then it makes a little bit of sense. Like, you've got a team that's literally five and six or six and seven, you know, in that range, you're like, well, Texas A&M did beat them. So you kind of got to give the edge to Texas A&M. But when you're talking about a team that's 13th in the rankings versus a team that's 23rd, like, should Louisiana, no matter what, always be ahead of Ohio State or Iowa State because it won the one game it played against them? I don't think so. But that's a frequent critique, I think, of the playoff rankings that I see. And I understand it. Like, I understand why it exists. I just like, I don't think you can do it that way in
2: practicality. Yeah. I was sitting here no. trying to rank Michigan state, Illinois, Nebraska and Rutgers in my head based on their losses.
0: Well, you can throw, you throw Northwestern in there too.
2: Yeah. I mean, Northwestern I'd put Nebraska probably... ahead
1: of Rutgers and below Illinois, honestly.
2: Well, you'd have to because Illinois has the tiebreaker,
1: right? And 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 that doesn't that doesn't that because Illinois beat Nebraska. It doesn't necessarily bother me to say, yeah, a team that just fired their coach is better than Nebraska, or or I guess maybe not better, but should be ranked ahead of Nebraska if we were ranking the these Big Ten teams.
2: But I do think the Rutgers
1: team we watched was not good. They were not good offensively. They were very But bad,
0: Rutgers very beat very Michigan poor. State, which beat Northwestern.
2: So yeah, this it's, I mean, this you're is, exactly
1: right. It is, a, it is an untenable situation to be in for the playoff committee, which is why they shouldn't be that, releasing rankings every single week, which is why maybe they should only do a top 10 or only do a top four. And that should be all the, that matters
2: why brand also still does play a factor in some of this because how many people when presented with that list of Nebraska, Rutgers, um, Illinois, uh, Michigan state and Northwestern immediately lean toward like, well, Michigan state should, should be good. Like there are just certain teams that because of their history or because of who they are, there's just an, like the, the initial gut reaction is, it's 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 hard for me to think Michigan State is where it's at because I I feel like Michigan State should be better. So like from just a complete like biased perspective, like it's hard for me to think like, should Michigan technically be ranked below Rutgers? It's Rutgers. And that's part of the issue with brand because it's the same. I know Nebraska fans talk about brand all the time with like what people outside of Nebraska think about this team, but I will say Nebraska, for better or worse, still has its brand to a degree because if it didn't people wouldn't care the day people stop caring about nebraska and stop complaining about every little thing nebraska does and like talking about how this blue blood has fallen from grace and all of this stuff is a bad day because that means the brand has essentially completely shifted away from it so there there are people who are like it is unfathomable that Nebraska can lose to Rutgers or be ranked lower than Rutgers because it's Nebraska. But here's the thing. There are teams like Rutgers who are sometimes not in this case with Nebraska, but are going to go beat teams. They shouldn't. And then the whole brand thing comes into play. Cause then you're suddenly like, but it shouldn't happen that way.
0: <laughs> I, I have, I have, Brandon, a, we- I have a, a quick question for you guys. And then, uh, I probably need to need that's N-E-E-D-K-N-E-A-D. Incredible. Um, the bread bomb we're it's getting, close. We're, getting, we're under a minute now um not literally a minute but um 10 team playoff which means basically an 18 playoff with a play-in game okay only conference champions do you guys like this better or worse than the current system the only way in is to win your conference
2: i like it the better than simplest the per- way than the four than the four team selection that we have right now. Cause if that's the case, I would take it.
0: Also. God, they're the worst, <laughs> but we have to make some sort of accommodation for Notre Dame until it gets with the program. No, they just, have to stick with the no. ACC.
2: They have no. to now forever be associated with the ACC. They have to have an extra game where they go head to head with the ACC.
1: <laughs> no, if, 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 if we went down that path of, 10 teams with a, with a play-in game and an eight-game or an eight-team playoff, if we went down that path, Notre Dame would have to join a conference. Otherwise, I wouldn't want to get again.
0: Okay. No. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm going to be like, yeah. Notre Dame, you want to be independent? Enjoy your independence. You will be independent of the national championship
1: discussion. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know that I would like that, though.
0: It would provide clarity. There would I'm be good. no. There would be no arguing. This podcast wouldn't exist because we wouldn't have anything to talk about. It would be... Win your conference you're in, that's it. Everybody has a path. Yeah.
2: As somebody who typically loves chaos, the simplicity of just like everyone has a path is what intrigues me, but I am, I am not going to sit here and say, I don't understand. I, I, I also understand enough people would be upset by that too, but it would be, it would be like, pleasing for me personally but that is just a uh, that is just because it'd be nice
1: <laughs> because I think there are teams that win their conference each year that are not the best team in their conference right which is my problem because I'm in this I'm in this like I'm in between this rock and this hard place where I think on one hand like losses and when they come they have to matter but I'm also like I mean like I think Iowa State's a better team than Oklahoma. I just do, even though Oklahoma just beat them. <laughs> like, it was kind of a comedy of errors for Iowa State on the last drive, otherwise they probably would have won. Like, I, I think that Iowa State's a better team, but Oklahoma won the conference. I don't think Oklahoma was deserving of the sixth spot or consideration for the playoff. Um, so,
0: yeah. And that kind stuff of happens it. all the time in individual game scenarios, yeah. which is why, like – yeah credit to louisiana for beating iowa state like they play again iowa state's still favored like you know so what are you supposed to do and all the playoff committee has been told is to choose the best teams and yeah it it sucks in those instances where you have to minimize a head-to-head result but unless we're willing to go there where the only thing that matters is the head-to-head result we can um but you're going to end up with some really wacky playoffs
1: then yeah Hmm. I think we will see an expanded playoff here in the next probably five years I think we'll get there maybe sooner I don't know um, Brandon you got to go you've got bread to need. Aaron you have probably got work to do I'm sure um. <laughs> okay why do I don't always have was, the work okay. to do
2: <laughs> well, I don't know
1: I mean we all have work to do <laughs>
2: I'm just it's going
0: to take me 10 minutes to need this bread so I mean, if you guys just eat. want to vamp for 10 minutes I can come back
1: I don't think I can vamp for 10 minutes. I don't know what else to talk about. I'm now sitting here stumped by this, this proposal of yours of a 10 team where only conference champions get in. And if that would be – I'm going to sit and think about this for the rest of the day.
0: I wouldn't spend that much time on it. It's like the extreme version. It's my way to be like, okay, what are you actually comfortable with? And I'm not talking about you guys in general. I'm talking about the general you. The Champions League one, though. Think about that. What if the SEC gets three bids and the second best league gets three bids and then you just go from there?
1: You're just Everybody... out here trying to exclude the Pac-12.
0: No, I'm not trying to exclude can. them. I'm trying to make them earn three bids <laughs> in the same way that you're like, okay, if you finish in the top four in the Premier League, you're in. Like, you know, that's what I'm trying to get to. If... Also,
1: another thing that popped into my head when you brought up the Champions League thing was thinking about Leicester City's 2016 Premier League Championship. Right. And I was like, because they don't have a playoff you get some of that randomness where a team like that can win and it's an awesome story Mm -hmm. we don't have that right now and then they think about
0: and they get into the biggest competition in europe i'm so mad that greg that santa came early to greg's house that he's not on here to defend his no g5 take
1: yeah i was really looking forward to that in greg's greg's playoff you can go
0: listen go listen to greg's podcast straight up breakdown he he uh discusses this and now I'm going to put words in his mouth, even though I listened to it and tried not to. In Greg's playoff, it's Amazon and Google and Walmart.
1: <laughs> Red Bull.
0: Red Bull, yeah. Amazon, Google, Walmart. Oh, Facebook. Greg, Greg's playoff model is to root for Facebook. Wow. And
2: no one is doing that. <laughs>
0: wow. Greg is. Greg is in a college football context.
2: Greg, should... Facebook is bad.
0: I'm not you know, if, if he hadn't bounced on the podcast, I would feel bad about calling him out. But since he did, I'm
2: not.
1: Uh, we should take away his podcast. Just leave, just give it to Jay. Jay just gets to have sole ownership, host, hostmanship, hostmanship. Host-ship? Yeah, Jay's we might, the we only might, host of that podcast now.
0: We might, we might give, we might give Greg some, some uh, sanctions like Dan Mullen got. He might have yeah. to be off in January.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just Jay solo show. <laughs>
2: He can be there. He just can't have his mic on. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> he's still got to drive to Omaha for the studio every single week. He just can't talk.
2: <laughs> Poor Greg. And the best part is, as you know, he's listening to this. So hello.
1: Hi, <laughs> Greg. Thanks for, thanks for ducking the podcast. Um, we, Enjoy we, we your guys Peloton go. treadmill. <laughs> I have to get the mailbag loaded. Uh, a little behind the scenes for, for Wednesday afternoons when we're recording this. Thank you to everybody for listening to this. Thank you to all of you guys for listening all year long, for reading hailvarsity.com all year long, like I said in the beginning. Um, I'm not sure yet. we still got to talk about like what the, the podcast plan is next week. Um, I don't really have anybody kind of penciled in as somebody that's going to be on the podcast next week, but I think I will still be talking to you next week. So subscribe to all of this stuff. HaleVarsity.com backslash network is where you can find all of the podcasts. Brandon, thank you for coming on. Aaron, thank you for coming on. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.
0: Happy holidays. Happy New Year.